What's going on, football fans? It's Mitch here, joined by, of course, the one and only Dr. Jen Walter. It is the Juke. Today, we are discussing my quarterback rankings that I released on my YouTube channel, The Bottom Line View. I ranked every starting quarterback in the NFL from number 32 to number one. So Jen is going to react and give her opinion and her take on where I put certain quarterbacks. What's going on, Jen? Mitch, is an interesting thing that you said right there. First of all, you went with the assumption that these are all going to be the starting quarterbacks, which in and yeah. of itself is debatable, right? Because we don't know what the rookies are going to do. We do know that some of these guys will be displaced, including your number two, who we don't even know if he will report to training camp. Rogers, <laughs> right? We still don't know if he's going to discount, double check and wreck himself or if his career is in jeopardy Will he report to training camp? Are you putting Rodgers on your list, period? I'm putting him on the bench right now because that's where he is. He's okay. not there. He's not present, which means do you have to rate Jordan Love? I don't know about that one because he may be there with Tua and his five interceptions. But I have a big problem saying, Rodgers, you're our guy, when right now I don't know if his viability is any better than Jimmy Garoppolo's or Deshaun Watson's based on what's gone on in their off-seasons. Yeah, that's definitely part of my ranking because I ended the season thinking Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback last year. He was the MVP of the league and I thought he outperformed Patrick Mahomes when they both took on the Bucks. So last year, I looked at Mahomes and Rodgers as toe-to-toe who is the best quarterback. But ultimately, what made me decide to go with Mahomes as number one is part of the Aaron Rodgers off the field and that whole storyline, as well as I think Patrick Mahomes the last two seasons, going to the Super Bowl both seasons, winning one, losing the other, has proven that time after time, he can overcome and be clutch in big moments. And I think over the last couple of years, he's been the better player in those moments than Aaron Rodgers. So, There's yeah. There's a couple other things with Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. I'll give you that Patrick Mahomes has shown that playmaking ability. No doubt, right? Like nobody can say that he hasn't. We don't even know how people do the things that he does. But what he also has done is shown that he's a leader off the field. He took a page out of Tom Brady's playbook and helped free up some cap space to bring in some additional talent, which shows he's a team guy. And you also didn't see him leave balls floating around on the ground where maybe he should have gotten them. You don't have the going for the field goal type of thing. So Rodgers for me right now is not showing the leadership that you need to win a Super Bowl. As an individual, he is super. But yep. as a leader in the locker room and with the team dynamics right now, he has lost points with me, and so has Russell Wilson. And by the way, Russ, you're going to have a tough time cooking up anything if we don't get Jamal Anderson to go ahead and sign because you already have no sack count, which means you're going to have to put up like 5,000 yards to be able to win a game. And if you can't get Jamal Adams to come in and lead your sacks, it's going to be a long, long year for you, right? Like there are problems in Seattle, which again, make it hard for me to say just objectively that these are the best quarterbacks. Cause what are we looking at? Are we looking at just straight up numbers? Okay. I get it. But are we looking at the impact of having those guys on your roster, i.e. a Brady effect where they just returned all of their starters and people are lining up to play and to get a bit of that Tom Brady, which you have so nicely displayed behind you magic. And yet you put him at number four. 
Yeah. So replying to your Russell Wilson comment, I do think that's kind of died down. Russell Wilson's answered some questions in his press conferences throughout the mini camp portion. He's been there. He's been present. He's been a leader on the team. I felt like with Russell Wilson, more so what I saw, because last year I ranked him number two and I saw a little bit of a decline at the end of the year. Last year, he wasn't playing as well. I, I felt he took way too many sacks and put his team in jeopardy on offense and they lost rhythm at the end of the year. In terms of Tom Brady, I put Tom Brady at number four and I understand all your points about leadership. Of course, there's no bigger Brady fan than me, but I just felt like the three guys ahead of him, two things. I thought they played more consistently last year. I thought there were points because Tom Brady was on a new team in a new system, which also helps him rank at number four. He had times of inconsistencies or bad performances where these three other players didn't have those performances. I felt he was on a very talented team, which definitely helped him win. And then because of that, he didn't have to carry his team as much. He could lean on the defense. He could lean on the run game when Josh Allen was his run game. So that's why I ranked him ahead of Tom Brady at number three. And that's why I ranked only Brady at number four. Well, if you're looking for Tom Brady to be the run game, Houston, we have a problem. And we might have (laughs) even more problems than Houston does right now, which Uh, I saw that you put Tyrod Taylor all the way in the basement below even Tua, who threw five interceptions the other day. Um, Can I pause you there for a sec? What do you think of quarterbacks throwing interceptions in practice? Because I feel like it's kind of overrated. I don't know how you feel about that. Tua has no room for error. We already have questions about his ability to overcome adversity. And this is how you start out. You're not giving anybody confidence. Now, if you have certain quarterbacks, some interceptions in practice, maybe yes, maybe no, right? Mm -hmm. Especially as the teams really get to know each other. But this early, it is not a great sign. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think with Tua, I've never been super high on him. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. A lot of that stems from, I didn't really see the evaluation of him coming into the NFL and being this elite talent because I don't really see any elite traits. We'll see this year. He's surrounded by lots of talent. And I definitely felt like he won some games. He managed the, the football game well. So I did think that he deserved to be ranked because of his potential slightly higher than an Andy Dalton or a Tyrod Taylor, where their time has kind of come and gone. And, and they're sort of like upper echelon backups, in my opinion, that right now hold starting positions. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how long Andy Dalton will hold that starting position. Again, that's another one by the things that we've kind of seen coming out of Chicago. He may yeah. not even get he might to not. be that starter and then you know with Tyrod Taylor that again I think the shame is that you said come and gone I don't even know if his time has ever really come he is you know by all accounts a hard worker he's had to play in lots of different systems mm-hmm. I would put the ball in his hands before I would to that for sure okay Yeah, I I think the thing with me for Tyrod Taylor is, especially the last couple of seasons, he's had opportunities to start. Like, I know that it's been on different teams and different systems, but he had his opportunity in Buffalo and he did pretty well with it. But obviously it was one of those situations where it was like, we see the ceiling. And I think that's what every team has seen with Tyrod Taylor, where they decided instead to go with Tyrod Taylor, they went with Josh Allen, they drafted Josh Allen and they went in the rookie direction. Then he went to Cleveland and he just got outplayed by Baker Mayfield. And then he went to the Chargers, had that whole craziness. And then the second game, which was awful for him, 
I think we saw that maybe it's just because Mayfield, Herbert, and Allen are all really good quarterbacks. Like maybe that's just unfortunate, but he's never really been able to reach the heights of what the offense I think offers him. I feel like he's been a little too conservative when he is playing, but that's just me. I think he's a serviceable starter. I just don't see the upside anymore, personally. Um, I think the biggest problem that Tyrod Taylor is going to have this season is the fact that he is in Houston. And we Mm -hmm. can all agree that Houston is not the place to be right now when it comes to the (laughs) National Football League on so many levels, right? It It was the mass exodus of Houston. So I do wish him the best. Andy Dalton, again, we don't know how long he's gonna stay even in that top. What's your prediction for that? Is your prediction Andy Dalton, is he gonna get replaced sooner rather than later or? Uh, You know, I I think it's really gonna depend on how fast they can bring in their new starter. I I don't think that they have ever looked at him as the long-term solution, right? Even after they signed Andy Dalton, they were still rumors of Russell Wilson. So he was to them, Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, Andy Dalton was a brilliant backup decision by the Dallas Cowboys, right? Should he have ever had to start that many games? No, because we were thinking, you know, we've got Dak and you can sit on back because we're not putting you in the game. But when he went down, all of a sudden, Jerry had a backup situation that was better than most of the teams that had. And I think he went four and five as a starter. And that was, you know, the other thing when he signed with the Cowboys was, he lost both of his starting tackles. So it wasn't just that Dak wasn't there, but you were also missing both of your bookends of your offensive line. And now you had a pocket quarterback who relies on protection and is not a great player to have to basically overcome that. So Andy I mean, Dalton, there were a lot of things in Dallas that were bad. You are exactly. Yeah, and the defense was awful too. So like, at least it would have been nice, at least if he had the offensive line where maybe they would have done a little bit better, but. Right. And that the run game could have taken some of that pressure off. I see here, you know, Matt Nagy says he already has ruled out starting Justin Fields in week one. No scenario where Andy Dalton is a backup. Well, that is assuming that Andy Dalton stays healthy throughout training camp. But I do like his thinking on that. Right. So I think you really do have to prove not that you have to have this epic winning season or that anybody thinks you're going to the Super Bowl unless they're completely delusional. But (laughs) I do think that you have to show that you have a plan for this team and that people can buy into the longevity, which means I think you are going to have to see a transition towards a real future, which to me um, Mm -hmm. really does signal to we're going to need to start getting Justin Fields there. And if they feel like Andy Dalton can do a, a good job to keep them in a good position, then they're not in a hurry. But I don't think that his job is secure throughout the season by any means. I want to talk Jared Goff here for a second. I found a funny uh, quote on Jared Goff and it said from Yahoo News, Jared Goff is quickly becoming the Rodney Dangerfield of NFL quarterbacks. He gets no respect at all. Look at some of the recent quarterback rankings from national analysts. And I thought that was pretty hilarious because, first of all, I don't know why he would get respect at this point. I thought, honestly, Jen, I thought he was awful last year. Like, awful. He was awful. He was awful. And Sean McVay looked like he was going to lose all of his good hair and quite (laughs) possibly go through from being one of the youngest head coaches to looking like he was one of the oldest because 
Jared Goff gets no respect from me. I, I might have put him further down on your list. Uh, okay. But I did think it was funny that he was the Rodney Dangerfield because I think he is in danger and I don't find him being long for this field. I really don't. Unless they can drastically turn it around, he has never made me think that's my guy. Yeah, I think part of it with Jared Goff, he was a tough one to rank personally because I thought he played poorly as we discussed last year. They wanted to go to John Wolford in the playoffs, okay? Not just in week 15, 13, the playoffs. And then now he's on the Lions who are absolutely awful. And I think people are going to see that without the system backing him and some of the talent that's been there in LA, it's not going to turn out so well for Goff in my opinion. But you have to give him at least some credit for the way that he has performed in certain seasons in the past. You know, he has been a quarterback that started in a Super Bowl. He has put up pretty good statistics. So it was a weird one where I was like, I have to balance this to not be too disrespectful. But I think he starts this entire year and the Lions look to move on next year. I think it's going to be a pretty quick transition. Everybody will kind of realize that Goff will likely be a backup for the rest of his career. Maybe that's a hot take, but that's just the way I kind of see it too. I think you have Ryan Fitzpatrick way low. I like Fitz magic for a comeback season. I think he's ticked off and I think he has good reason, but it is hard, right? It is a hard place. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's a rookie. He will be there. I do think it's interesting that you have Zach Wilson above Trevor Lawrence because they, they are both kind of, you know, a little bit in the same situation. Um, yeah. New staff, new systems, rookie quarterbacks. What gives you the Zach Wilson edge to Trevor Lawrence, Mitch? I could see Lawrence playing better as a rookie, but I think Zach Wilson long-term will be the better quarterback. And I said, I think Wilson has more unique ability to throw the football in a way that we see with the elite passers, you know, the, the different arm angles, the off of different platforms, the ability to buy time and throw on the move. I think he has a special ability. And then all I've heard is glowing, you know, reviews of, of Zach Wilson in camp. So it does seem like he is really impressing people there. I just think, I just look at their talent. I just feel like Wilson is going to be the better player and I ranked him higher coming out of the draft. So I just felt like it was my duty to put him one spot higher in my rankings personally. All right. So let's, let's finish the, the bottom of the barrel as you have it. Um, yep. Sam Darnold is interesting to me. I'm not a huge Sam Darnold fan, but obviously he's been in the dumpster fire that was the Jets. So hard to place. Um, Jimmy G, will he be healthy at all? Will he be playing? I don't think that they've been all in on Jimmy G for a while. So I think he is a placeholder at best. I think Jameis Winston is the interesting one, right? Where you have him right now, he could end up there, right? If he is the Jameis Winston of old or by the end of the season, he could be in your top 12 easily. That's what I said in the video. The thing with Jameis Winston is, is he's the hardest guy to rank because he has upside that is worthy of top 15 for sure. And then he has downside that's worthy of not even being on the list. That was the problem with me. So basically the dilemma there was ranking Jimmy versus Jameis. And basically what it came down to was who am I going to feel more comfortable in to not lose me the game? And ultimately that was Jimmy Garoppolo. 
but so, who do you think could bring you back to win a game? And that is also probably probably Jameis. Yeah. Right. So it was really tough. I mean, you could debate it either way, and that was one of those where I could flip flop it for sure. Those two specifically, but yeah, I I think Jimmy G is actually gonna play fairly well this year, and I wouldn't actually be surprised if he starts the entire year this year because if they're on a run and they start off really well, and he's the starting quarterback, which I do believe he's gonna be because Kyle Shanahan said it many times. It's gonna be hard hard to take him out unless they pull a Miami Dolphins situation. Let's go back to the top of your list now. You know, we already talked about Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and Tom Brady. Uh, Russell Wilson, again, I think I put Lamar either where you have him or maybe just tipping the scales around five. But, you know. Do you rank higher, Lamar or Wilson? I think Lamar. I think his running ability is obviously more in its prime at this time. And he finally has targets. So I think Lamar is going to have a heck of a season. And again, there's the other stuff right now with Russell Wilson that though we haven't heard as much about it, doesn't mean that it was forgotten, right? It might be gone, but not forgotten because I still don't know what the heck the Seahawks are doing. Like, I feel like they've been stuck in an identity crisis for a long time now. And I just don't know what they're doing. So I I I think the identity crisis is the identity of what Wilson wants the team to be and what Carol wants the team to be. That's been a, a, an issue for a while, but it it doesn't really seem to affect their wins and losses. So I I don't know. It does because they haven't broken through back to that superior leave. No doubt that we are in the top four team. So Mm. I'm not overly impressed with them. I think Matthew Stafford is hard for me to put up at seven. I don't think that you're wrong in terms of the upside that he is going to have and the magic that is going to be him with Sean McVay. I feel like Sean McVay is going to get his mojo back. I think that you are probably right on the upside. I just haven't seen that from Stafford. So I'm not ready to necessarily say he's one of my top 10. I think he's probably right around 11 for me. I think he will bump up, but right now I don't have enough from him to put him in my top 10. Um, Dak, I think will come back and earn top 10 as well. We got to see what he's going to look like healthy. Um, But, you know, Dallas has been, and they've got a lot of transition. So again, could they be a dominant team this year? I think so. But we still have a lot of question marks. So, and then I, you surprised me a bit with Justin Herbert and Ryan Tannehill. Again, Tannehill, I think, will stay up there. Justin Herbert will have a little bit of a second year slump. They all do. And here's the reason defenses have now had a year to adapt to you. And there is a reason why quarterbacks do not do as well. Plus he is going to go through a huge transition with a new system and those things. So do expect him to step back a little bit before he comes back and he will have to learn some new stuff as you know, there has been a transition there. I think you're underestimating Kyler Murray. I think he should be in the top 10 and, as much as it pains me. Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) I have to put Baker Baker. Wow. Commercial maker. I actually thought in the top 10. I thought you were going to be mad that I had him at 12. I'm honestly shocked by this. 
No, I, I don't. Because think about it. Wow. He has his weapons back. He's gotten better at distributing the football. His O-line is the top. And then he has that backfield. So, yes, he's surrounded by talent. But he is the princess in the tower of not getting touched. Baker Mayfield <laughs> can put things together. He is on a superior Browns team that are going to go deep. I think that Baker Mayfield comes in right around 9 or 10 to me. I haven't kept exactly track of the guys that I've bumped out a little bit, but I yeah. put, I think him you up said there. Stafford yep. and Herbert were your guys you're about, you're bumping out. Yep. I I'm definitely so. bumping them out. Tannehill might be 10 or 11 and Dak is right on that cusp for me, but I do think Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray should be in that top 10. And then I think you're probably a little bit high on Derek Carr and Kirk cousin. I could bump them down a little bit and bump up. Matty Ice, I know that you think he's on the downswing. I do worry about him not having Julio as a target, but I do think that Matty Ice put up extreme numbers last year. He is going to go big to Kyle Pitts. I just see it happening. I know you don't think a rookie can pull that in, but with the freak <laughs> talent assessments that I've gotten from my friends, he's going to have big numbers and he could be your offensive rookie of the year as not a quarterback. So I put Matty Ice up. Derek Carr, I don't even know what the heck they're doing. Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know what the heck they're doing. And Cam Newton, Carson Wentz also could be a little bit lower. And Daniel Jones, where? why do you like Daniel Jones? And he dimes. That's my guy. I know it's your I like guy, Daniel. but I can't He's gonna necessarily make plays go with this that. Year. Breakout, Look, breakout season. I easily put Jameis Winston over Danny okay. Dimes. I guess we'll see. Either both of them are kind of similar. I think they both have lots of upside both have lots of downsides. So to try to respond to all of those things that you just said, first, starting with Matt Ryan, I think the biggest reason I ranked Matt Ryan at number 15 is because last year I saw him lose some of the zip on the ball that he used to have. I, I felt like he did decline a little bit. And the biggest reason I felt that way, when you in compare him to a guy like, let's say, Derek Carr, who's, who's a spot higher than him. Derek Carr went eight and eight with a, a really bad team. And I thought he played really efficient football. I think he had three or four game winning drives um, and, and Matt Ryan really didn't. So I thought the right. difference between the two were Matt Ryan wasn't making the big time plays when he needed to. And Derek Carr was. But Mitch, Matt Ryan put them up to substantial leads and the defense devastated the Falcons in some of those games. So we can't put it okay. against Matt Ryan. The Raiders Ryan. defense was really bad too. Yeah, but Matt Ryan put up huge numbers and there were like 95% to win on five games that the defense lost. But I do agree with what you said about Derek Carr. I would love to see him get back to that MVP campaign season because that will make the NFL much more exciting. Yeah. I think the difference for me between Kirk cousins there at a spot higher than Carr is kind of like projecting into this year. So I, I think Atlanta and the Raiders are going to stink. And I, I think the Vikings are going to be really good. So I, I think Kirk cousins is they're all kind of similar. I wouldn't be mad at anybody if you rank them the opposite, but cousins threw 35 touchdowns last year. I thought the offense was on fire. And the defense is going to be back this year. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. And just, I think that success is more of a little bit of a projection from my standpoint, but Cousins has been really consistently about a top 15 quarterback. And that's yep. just kind of what he is. When you look at this list, do you see one player that you think could be the biggest riser? Jameis like Winston. Jameis Winston, you think is that guy? 
I, I think he absolutely is. I mean, it, again, if you take the rookies out of the equation, Jameis Winston has gotten to go to quarterback school. As a 20-year-old, he got thrust into being the man in Tampa. And they did not have what he needed around him to develop him and teach him all of those things to be a franchise quarterback for the long haul, neither in the coaching staff or the mentorship. So he had to be that guy and he's been that guy. Now he got to step back, take the pressure off having to be that guy every minute of every day for everyone else. And he actually got to lock in and work on the best version of Jameis as a part of the Saints team, which means he got to learn the system. He got to be groomed by Sean Payton and freaking Drew Brees like to me, like we talked about, he's a hard guy to rate because we haven't seen him in a year. But the fact that we haven't seen him in a year and he wasn't hurt means that we're going to see the best version of Jameis Winston. And I certainly hope he drops a lot of jaws and scores a lot of touchdowns. One more. You talked about Justin Herbert a little bit and you were not happy with me having him at number nine in the top 10. And just to respond to what you said there, the reason I ranked him in the top 10, obviously the talent is there. Everybody knows about that. But going into next year, I actually think it's going to be positive for him. I actually think he's going to avoid the sophomore slump because I think they've improved in a number of areas on the team. I believe PFF ranked him as the top quarterback throwing the ball under pressure, which isn't a very sustainable thing, but they have improved their offensive line, which went from one of the worst to, I feel, at least middle of the pack, if not better this year. And I think that ability to protect him is going to get the best out of him and the best out of the way that he can run around and make plays. And then the coaching staff, I think, is going to be far less conservative and unleash him aggressively. I felt they were way too lenient in terms of their run game and trying to really get that going with Anthony Lynn. I think Brandon Staley, I'm very high on, and I think offensively they are going to be better. I do agree with what you say about the new offense. And yes, they were a little conservative with him, but for good reason. Mm -hmm. He wasn't their plan. So you had to take it off little by little, right? And kind of let him go. But mm -hmm. the truth is that new playbook, new offense, and defenses getting to get a look at you is tough on everyone. So yes, you have an upgrade in the offensive line. But again, I'm going to go back to Tom Brady, your guy who mm -hmm. even... I mean, he was a rookie last year, so how much did he really know the last offense, though? Like, <laughs> Mitch, I get it, but time and time again, there's a reason why the second year is a make-or-break year in terms of quarterbacks who had to come in fast and furious. And part of that is they get a reduced playbook. He was not given the full playbook when he came in, right? Like, mm -hmm. he had a specific part of it that those were his plays. He was expected to do them and do them very well and which they gradually would expand. Now he is the man. So guess what? Yes, we'll probably have a little bit of that, but teams will get a shot to figure some of that out. And they have now seen a year's worth of tape and they have had a chance to break it down. Now, they don't have the luxury of having it be the same offense. So defenses will be a little bit on their heels with that. But there is always a little bit of a slowdown version when you're executing a new offense, number one, and number yep. two, when defenses know you a little better. So I'm not saying he won't have a good year, 
I'm just saying I don't put him at top 10 yet because okay. he will take a few steps back and we're going to see a lot about him to see how he recovers after that initial welcome to a new offense and welcome to defenses knowing you better. Here to discuss minicamp because minicamp is underway for many teams across the NFL and for many teams they're taking a look at their young quarterbacks. One of those teams is the Miami Dolphins who are expecting a big jump from Tua in year number two. Hopefully not that Justin Herbert slump that Jen's talking about but it doesn't appear to be a good start Jen as he threw five interceptions in practice. Uh Tua? I don't know if you can have a sophomore slump when you never got out of your <laughs> freshman class, right? Like, I don't yeah. even think he qualifies for the sophomore slump yet. Mm -hmm. You did not see that exponential jump with him at the end of last season where you'd be like, oh, well, we're going to have to adjust. Then coming into training camp, you need to like, you know, kind of set the tone. And that was a bit tone deaf because that is not instilling confidence in anybody, right? And the it's defense instilling confidence in me as a Patriots fan. That is a valid point. As a defense, you're like, oh, yeah, we stuck it to yeah. the quarterback. Yeah. And then you go, oh, but that's our quarterback. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Like in practice, I'm sure you've probably been on both sides where it's like you've had a really good quarterback. It's like, ooh, you know, this is a baller right here. Like we have confidence, especially on defense. And then on the other side, you're like, I don't know if we might have to win the game by ourselves. Like maybe go through that process. Yeah, you absolutely do. You have this reckoning, right? When your offense is humming, like, and you finish practice, you're kind of like, we've got to get better, right? And you, you kind of buck up. You're like, all right, this is where we need to improve. This is the things they did to us. And you kind of knock it out. But when your quarterback is being dismantled, by yeah. your defense, especially one that it's not like they're in practice every day. And now we're just used to you. And we really know the plays. This is early, right? Yeah. We have shades of, you know, the Broncos when they had no quarterback and they completed more passes <laughs> to the other team. Like and that wears on you though, as a defense, as the game goes by, like maybe you can maintain that attitude for a couple quarters, but if it keeps going down, like you're just like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, well, and what happens is that you don't get breaks, right? Mm -hmm. If your offense can't sustain drives, you're on the field a lot of the time and when you're on the field you're in bad field position and that's where it really starts to affect the psyche because people are saying oh well your defense couldn't hold up and you're like hold up wait a minute maybe if he didn't keep giving the ball to the other team we would yeah. be doing okay so we're mm -hmm. gonna need more from Tua or it's gonna be Tua bad because you are gonna be too far gone for us to bring you back yeah, I think if you're looking for the positives, if you're a Miami Dolphins fan out there and you're like a little bit worried about Tua based on last year, based on this practice report, I'll say this. Sometimes I, I know it's five interceptions, so it's pretty big, but you don't necessarily know what's coming out of practice there. You're just hoping if you're a fan that it's your defense like your defense is really that good especially you know the Dolphins defense was good last year so there's reason to you know understand that maybe with another year of continuity they're even better and they're just phenomenal so hopefully that's the case and it's not the offense and it's not Tua and I'm just trying uh, to give the positives for you guys out there uh Mitch were the Dolphins the number one rated defense in the NFL last year no but they were up there up there is not enough Right. Okay. And yes, you could say, 
hopefully the defense was doing things that was specifically designed to challenge the offense. Well, duh, that's what every <laughs> defense does every week to every yeah. opponent. So this defense isn't cohesively together enough to be dismantling your offense like that, which means your offense is not together. So the thing that you want to consider in terms of interceptions is that not all of them are on the quarterback. The quarterback, right? yes. So yep. if we have a hot route, for example, so for those of you who want to know, like let's say that the defense is running a blitz and the receiver, like we'll use Waddle because he's new, not for any other reason, and I have no idea that he did this. But if they weren't running a blitz, he might have had a post assignment. And yet if it is a blitz, he may have to cut it off to a hot route of like a slant. OK, mm -hmm. if he wasn't aware of the hot routes yet or the call didn't make it to him, he may have continued to run the post, which put him too deep and could have put the ball under thrown to a slant, which would easily result in a pick. So those are the things that may yet have gotten synced up as an offense, but something is bad. You're right. I think that's a great explanation for those of you that don't know how uh, the practices work in the, in the development of an offense and chemistry. I think a, a great example, if you watch the Bucks early last year, you know, a lot of the interceptions for Tom Brady, where somebody may watch and be like, Tom Brady's playing awful. It's like, no, it's, it's because, you know, Evans was reading this and Brady was reading that and Brady threw it here and Evans broke the route here. And they didn't know, you know, they weren't on the same page, especially last year with where the off season was very condensed. You know, those players that were knew were throwing interceptions or making bad throws when it wasn't necessarily a bad play. It was more so bad chemistry. So I think when we're looking at Tua, do you think he can rebound this year? Or, or do you think like the Dolphins are going to have to look towards the future already sooner rather than later? It's early to look to the future, right? They don't have the opportunity to really look to the future right now unless you want to say, okay, we're going to go get Aaron Rodgers. You know, Deshaun Watson is available and they can get him cheap or one of those things, right? Like, unless something like that happens, you've really already made the decision that Tua is the guy this year. What you're Oh, for sure this year. Yeah. I'm thinking like next year or the year after, whatever well, it is. <laughs> that I mean, that's what they're going to really have to decide this year. And Flores and his staff have to look at how much time do we have to make this team competitive that they will keep us around and not look to upgrade us. At fair points. So I think the expectation for Miami, a lot of people expectation for them is, is to reach the playoffs. They were one game away, one win away from reaching the playoffs. Last year, they were 10 and six. Obviously, they were kind of a surprising 10 and six. A lot of that kind of coincided with the Patriots taking a step back to seven and nine. So now we know that the Jets have improved. The Patriots have improved. The Bills are the Bills. So a lot of pressure is on the Dolphins to be that team this year. And I think if they do miss the playoffs this year, you also have to look at the individual performance of Tua, not just the team success, right? Is, is Tua going to be the guy that's going to be able to be your franchise moving forward? And you have to be able to evaluate that outside of the team. So we'll see how he does. Real quick, Mitch, do you think that the Dolphins got better enough to have remained in that same 10 and six realm with the other teams as they are. 
I don't see them as a playoff team this year. And a lot of that has to do with Tua because I, I, don't, I just don't see him as the answer. Now I'm totally open for him to prove me wrong, but I look at them on paper and I say, okay, there's reasons to be optimistic that they have improved because they have added receivers. When you consider their last year performance, the division kind of flopping and all the things kind of happening this off season, last year, I almost felt like they were kind of like a, paper tiger they were like a 10-win team that didn't feel like a 10-win team they they won a lot of games in kind of fluky fashion in my opinion and I just don't see how that's kind of repeatable this year so I see them as like a competitive team and maybe like flirting with the playoffs but I feel like they're gonna just miss out well and how many of those games were won by Fitzmagic not by Tua that's true right a good portion of them right so you you lost the leader that was actually taking you to a point of confidence and that's a big thing very true there's some guy here that has lost his magic it's Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell has lost his magic absolutely he never wants to play for Andy Reid again this is what he said and Okay, I don't blame him a little bit in terms of like he expected to go to the Chiefs and then do something with the Chiefs. And then similarly to LaShawn McCoy, he never really ended up doing anything. Both those veteran running backs signed with the Chiefs hoping to be a part of their run and they were not. Now, LaShawn McCoy handled it in a better fashion as a vet and Le'Veon Bell really did not as Le'Veon Bell is basically still thinking he is this elite running back when he has not shown it since basically taking a year off from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your friend, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, has replied saying, these fellas will blame everybody for their lack of success. That's how I know I'm built different. Now, Matthew gives a little bit of a compliment to himself, a pat on the back to himself, but he also says, hey, buddy, prove it. Do something about it. What do you think about that, Jen? Look, if if the bell tolls for all of us, right? Like, you know, for whom the bell tolls and you didn't pay the tolls. So maybe like if you were going to sound the alarm bell on someone or a team that you didn't want to be with, you should have the stats to back it up. And you know what? Honey Badger is right to bet on himself because when the Cardinals tried to restructure his contract or kind of offered him that not so good deal after he had one, what did he do? He bet on himself, went to the Texans, right? On a one-year deal, took less money. That's how you know that Honey Badger is built different because he's (laughs) like, you know what? I am going to go there and I'm going to prove to you that you lost out on one of the best players in the National Football League and I'm going to take a one-year deal and I'm going to do it to spite you. So that you go, dang it, maybe we shouldn't have let that guy go. And then look what happened because he bet on himself and he put up the numbers. Ooh, he got picked up by the Chiefs and he was a significant part of that run and he is a significant part of that team. Le'Veon, meanwhile, Andy Reid is no joke, okay? And this is one of the most prolific offenses in the National Football League right now. I get it that you didn't get to do what you wanted with it, but what did you do to put yourself in a better position by saying that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, how does this help him help you? How does it help you? And that's why they'll blame everybody. You know, Ty, this is correct. You are built different because you know what? He said, okay, you don't see me. I see me and I'm going to go make you see 
that you made a mistake as opposed to complaining about it. I'm going to be about it. And if we all took the time, Matthew mentality, Ooh, Lordy, Lordy, you would have a, a much more vicious NFL in terms of the competition to be great. Do you think Mitch, he'll get another shot or do you think he just, I, I certainly don't. I certainly don't think that this helps him by saying this because if there is a respected coach in the NFL, it is Andy Reid. I mean, he is absolutely, especially with the coaching tree that he has around the league. So that's your, you're basically crossing off a bunch of teams on your list to potentially go to a running back is a position that already is absolutely loaded and we've seen very replaceable because of the amount of talented players that play at the position. So for Le'Veon Bell, who is older, that does him no favors for now, you know, saying this, which already would go along with a reputation of not exactly being ideal off the field in terms of an attitude and a work ethic and probably wanting more money than he's worth. It's going to be really difficult for Le'Veon Bell to get a job. He's, he's probably done. I honestly, he's probably done, or at least he'll be like maybe a mid season pickup or something of that nature. You know, I don't know that he's done right because there's always needs, but will you be humble enough to take what someone would take you for? We'll go back to Jameis Winston. Would you go back to a backup role? Would you build into a younger guy? Could you be there and know that you're not going to be the man? He wasn't even in line to be the second guy because that was already promised to Taysom Hill last year. Le'Veon Bell, could you do that because you believed in yourself and your work ethic to the extent that you knew you could win a job? If you're in camp, that you will flash, that you will take somebody's spot. Do you have that hungry dog that you would take maybe an incentive contract just to get into camp? Here to discuss the rest of the latest in the NFL as well as another professional football league, which we'll get to in a little bit. But let's start off with Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is one of the few players in the NFL that's holding out for a bigger contract and the respect that comes along with it. Give me your thoughts on Adams. (laughs) Look, we need trenches in this league, right? You need them on the O-line. Mahomey proved that last year, or actually I should say the Bucks proved that last year in how they took down the Chiefs and Mahomey with the lack of O-line. But the other side of the ball is the guys who did that. You need the dogs on the D-line. You need the sack count. Any one of these quarterbacks in the National Football League can take you apart if they're allowed to sit back like Baker Baker, the commercial maker, in the tower um, by that O-line. And if you don't have pass rushers, that's what happens. And guess what? The leading pass rusher for the Seahawks is not a D-lineman. It is Jamal Adams. And guess what? He is not there and he wants more money. Now, when I talked to Roy Williams about Jamal Adams, Roy actually said it's about time that we got the respect for the pressure that we could bring. And maybe that'll get the safety position a little bit more money. That Now I feel like he was reading into like my magic eight ball and saying <laughs> all signs point to yes, because Jamal Adams is realizing that he's a special breed, especially on that team mitch what do Mm -hmm. you think about the money and this contract extension because he's not cheap already yeah i'm a little surprised about 
this whole thing because I wouldn't expect a player like one year into after just getting traded to already be asking for more money. I do eventually think this is going to be figured out and they need him there. So especially a team in Seattle that's already having their own issues with their quarterback, as you've brought up on this show, like you can't have your premier defensive player on that side of the ball now a little upset. And that's just going to make your quarterback even more upset. And it's going to set your team off the hinges, Jen. Right. I, I'm already like seeing problems for the Seahawks because again, we don't know what their identity is. And if your premier pass rusher or your sack leader is going to come from the safety position, then guess what? You're going to have to start paying him like that. And you're going to mm -hmm. have to make sure that he is at least secure. Now on the flip side, we had today passionate Derek Carr speaking on all these rumors that have been going on because John Gruden's the coach. Let's just be honest. It's because John Gruden's the coach. John, I'm calling you out because you're the coach. Every single quarterback you have constantly is wondering whether you're going to trade him or you're going to trade for somebody else. So Derek Carr says he is loyal to the silver and black. I'd probably quit football. If I had to play for somebody else, I am a Raider. Jen, I know you love this loyalty. What do you think about Derek Carr saying this? You know, I do love that he said it because you don't get it that often. And the Raiders have invested a ton of money in John Gruden. Now, if we could see Derek Carr come back to the ceiling that we know he has, right? Like he was at one point in MVP conversations. He had a tragic yep. injury. And as you said, he had an upswing last year. I do yeah. question sometimes what the Raiders are doing in terms of, again, what is your, your identity? But apparently whatever that identity is, Derek Carr is feeling it, which means mm -hmm. that if you can really start to come out of it, you've got a guy who wants to be there for the long haul. And in the quarterback position, that's valuable. What does it mean to a football team when they have their quarterback say something like that? It means a lot, and it means a lot, especially when it's followed up in action. What does it mean for you to stay there? We saw Tannehill restructure his contract. We saw Mahomes restructure his contract. We saw Brady restructure his contract. Meanwhile, we saw Russell Wilson upset. We saw Aaron Rodgers upset. We saw Deshaun Watson upset. Now, those aren't apples to apples situations, but the long haul is really important. And so if you say you want to be there, what other things will you do to ensure that you have a culture where it's not just we're going to be here, but we're going to win here because you want to actually not only keep the people who are there, but you want to make it a franchise that people want to come and play for. I want to finish off with the CFL is returning August 5th, Jen. I know that you have a story that you told me about the CFL and your relationship with it. So why don't you let the audience know that story? So there was a crazy instance that happened a couple of years ago, probably 2016, I think it was. And one of the coaches for the BC Lions was doing an event. He had a woman who he had worked with who was now in the NFL and she couldn't go to the event because of something with visa. So like last minute, she can't go. And the whole event is built around this theme. Well, the next person he could think of, I guess, to fill in was me. And we didn't know each other, but he reached out and it was like this last minute 
insane overnight flight. Like, you know, it was like planes, trains, and automobiles to get there. But I was like, all right, coach, I got you, whatever we need to do, you know, blah, had the event amazing guy, coach Belfort. And it was one of those things. He's like, if I can ever do anything and you know, you, you don't really know what that means. Right. But it was, it was good human stuff. So then fast forward 2017, it is the women's world championship, the IFAF women's world championship and team Australia. We got together two weeks before the championship started and trained in, in Vancouver and um, the CFL preseason was going on. Well, most of my players had never gotten the opportunity to go to a pro football game. They'd been to rugby games and Aussie rules, but not football. So coach and I talked and he actually got us tickets for the entire team to go to a BC game. And I know Manny Argo and we got to go as a group. And so Team Australia was this rowdy group of female football fans that came in um, and cheered at a at a CFL preseason game. And I'll tell you what, my players were blown away by just how hospitable and how much the CFL went out of their way to take care of the women's team. And it's something I obviously was very grateful for, but I know that, you know, they've never forgotten because for many of those women, their first pro football game was with the CFL. The CFL making an impact. It's not just the NFL, but the CFL can leave an impact as well. So we have hit our time. Jen, do you have anything to plug? You know what, Mitch? I am just going to tell them that they all need to follow us on all of our social media. We're at the Juke Pod, Dr. Jen Welter, and then Mitch. I actually, if you listen to our discussion about the quarterback ranking, where you can find it and my full discussion, my full analysis on every player, that's at the bottom line view on YouTube. Go join the community. Always looking for new football fans and smart football minds. Get in that comment section. Let me know if I'm an idiot. Whatever you want to do. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Mitch Milani. That's M-I-L-A-N-I. Thanks for joining us here live on Twitch. It's Mitch, Dr. Jen Welter. Peace.